Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and eBooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join the Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. I have been so excited for this podcast episode to go up because it's with one of my favorite humans, Dr. Becky Campbell. And Dr. Campbell started off as an Instagram crush and since has just become one of my favorite people. Well, she was always one of my favorite people since I discovered her. I loved everything she had to say about the thyroid and health in general, just her outlook, and I just loved her personality and her vibe, and I told her, we need to become best friends, and then I forced her to become my best friend, and now, I mean, the rest is history. So, we recorded this a while ago. We recorded this, if you guys remember, back when I was at my cabin. I have to have her back on again because she is amazing and I could talk to her about 50 other topics. We basically just covered the thyroid in this. But if you don't know who Dr. Becky Campbell is, she just recently released her book, which is called The 30-Day Thyroid Reset Plan amazing book all about the thyroid. She's a board-certified doctor of natural medicine, and she originally found functional medicine as a patient. She has an incredible health story, which she'll share more about. She has seriously been through it all, which is one of the reasons why I connected with her so much when I first heard her story, because we have so many similarities in terms of our health issues that we've gone through. Plus, she's just super down-to-earth, relatable, which made me love her even more. But like I said, she has a really, really incredible health story, and I think that that has made her an even better functional medicine doctor because she really gets it and really cares for her patients the way you would hope a functional medicine doctor would. But unfortunately, like in any profession, not all doctors are the same, but Dr. Becky Campbell is one of the great ones, and I can say that because I've been working with her. She has been helping me out. She has run some tests that I've never been able to get run before and has figured things out that no other doctor has helped me be able to figure out. As you guys know, I've had kind of a crazy health history and have been looking for answers for years now, and everyone I go to, I'm just like this this mystery to everyone I see and I'm lucky enough to have access to some of the greatest minds I think in America (laughs) yet I'm always the mystery case but Dr. Becky Campbell is figuring things out and I seriously love working with her so if you're looking for a functional medicine doctor who sees patients online then check her out because she is really amazing she sees patients that have 
any type of health issue, but she does specialize in thyroid disease, autoimmune diseases, histamine intolerance, and more. She's a wizard when it comes to gut issues, so she does it all. And her recent release, The 30-Day Thyroid Reset Plan, is just one of the best books on thyroid that I've ever come across. It puts all the information out there in really digestible way it's really easy to understand actionable things that you can take and it's about the thyroid in general so not just hypothyroidism hyperthyroidism Hashimoto's just all thyroid imbalances in general yet I really believe that this book would be great for anyone struggling with any hormonal issues and also if you want a little taste of some thyroid advice I have linked in the show notes to her download for her ultimate thyroid guide you can download that if you want again that link is in the show notes and you can find all of her information at drbeckycampbell.com like i mentioned i seriously love her as both a friend and a doctor like i mentioned i've been working with her i needed a high quality fmd in my life i needed some heavy duty testing and she was the woman who could help me out plus I need accountability like everyone else and this is a theme that keeps coming up with a lot of guests I talk to and a lot of friends I talk to everyone I think needs some type of coach whether that be a therapist or a life coach or a health coach or an FMD or a business coach. It's just in all aspects of life, it really helps you when you have some type of accountability. And also someone to give you an outside perspective, someone to support you along the way. Like I know for me, I need someone to bounce my ideas off of and explain what I'm thinking and just have some support there. It's funny because recently, in terms of business, I've talked to a few people who I consider to be some of the most incredible business people I know and I've just been asking them you know what do you think has helped you the most and all of them said getting a business coach you know and it just goes to show even in your own field it really helps to have somebody else help you out along the way and speaking of that I just wanted to remind you guys that I am opening up one more round this year of my group coaching program the paleo women lifestyle program I seriously love this course and I think that you're going to get a lot out of it. This new group is going to start in November, on November 5th, but signups are going to be October 29th. Enrollment starts October 29th. There are only limited spots available and that first day is going to be early bird pricing. So if you want a reduced price, then make sure you get your spot that day. Also, just in general, the early bird pricing and the regular pricing, this is going to be the cheapest. It will be forever, basically. So when I, st- when I run the program again in 2019, I am increasing the price just based off of all of the feedback I've gotten from the women in the program and how much it's worth. So basically, this course encompasses everything that I think every woman needs to know in order to live a healthy lifestyle. So this obviously has a lot to do with diet and nutrition. We also go into exercise, personal care products, stress management, sleeping, body image, weight management, balancing your hormones, 
everything related to being a woman and being healthy, the paleo diet and the paleo lifestyle, I cover in this course. This can help you with your mood, your energy, your digestion, clearing up your skin, weight management, having an easier time at that time of month. There are so many benefits to this lifestyle and this course covers everything you need to know. Plus, if there's anything that isn't covered, you can ask me a question if you join the group program. So the way it works is I have all the online pre-recorded content that you can work through at your own pace, but I do pace you out for the five weeks of the program, but you have access to everything forever once you join. So I have pre-recorded audio and video lectures. I have downloadable PDFs, so you have all the info there. And then you also will have access to our private Facebook group, which is where all of the women in the program are. We all know each other and get to know each other and ask questions in there. You can bounce ideas off of me, off of other ladies in the program, share our experiences. We talk about everything in there. So there's nothing off limits. And then also have access to the live video coaching calls. So we all get on a Zoom chat and we all can see each other and talk in person. You can ask me your questions right then and there. And, you know, everybody can talk there. And that's how we really get to know each other. And the group accountability piece, I think, is really, really key when you feel like you have a community of like minded women who get it. It really makes the process much easier to go through and I've designed this so that it will be helpful for people who are brand new to this or people who have been eating a paleo diet following that lifestyle for years you're gonna get something out of it and I actually just got an email from somebody who already decided to join the program and she was so excited that she bought the self-study version first and then now she's gonna join the group program and she said that she was already looking through the online content and she's so excited because she didn't realize how many things, how many small changes she could make that really have already made her feel so much better in terms of digestion and mood and energy is what she was saying and how learning more about how to balance a plate and how much food to eat has already helped her feel better and little digestive tips I've given her and it's only been a few days of her looking through the content and then she was saying how she didn't realize how all the systems in the body really work together and affect each other and she was just really excited about everything that she had already learned and she obviously hasn't gone through the whole course yet since she just got access to it a few days ago when she bought it but I love hearing feedback like that and if you want to check out the testimonials you definitely should you can read all of those and get more information on the course at bit.ly slash paleo women lifestyle again the feedback I've gotten about this program this course this community has been phenomenal and I'm so proud of it and love it we really become a tribe and this is it's a place where you can feel safe to ask any question you want and I will answer it for you so I'm really excited to bring this new group of ladies into the Paleo Women Lifestyle Program tribe. So again, you can head to bit.ly slash Paleo Women Lifestyle to learn more. And don't forget to mark your calendar for October 29th. That is when enrollment will open and that is the day that we'll have a cheaper price. And then the price goes up to normal price. And the program is actually going to officially start November 5th. And if you've already bought the online self-study option, then you can also upgrade to the group program if you'd like and pay the difference if you want access to the Facebook group and live video calls. I think that that piece is 
so helpful because you're basically always getting continuing information and you can always ask questions in there and have that community. So really, really excited for this next group. I hope you guys are too. And one thing that I talk a lot about in the program and also that Dr. Campbell emphasizes a lot in her book, The 30-Day Thyroid Reset Plan, is the importance of using safe, non-toxic personal care products because a lot of conventional personal care products on the market contain endocrine disruptors. So these are wreaking havoc on people's hormones and a lot of times people are unaware of the effects that these are having on their overall health. Dr. Campbell emphasizes this in terms of optimizing thyroid function, but it also goes beyond thyroid. It can affect your hormones in other ways besides just thyroid. So I see a lot of women with sex hormone imbalances, and this can be a a key piece, as well as men also, because men use personal care products too, even if they don't wear makeup. They also, they use skincare. Everybody uses skincare. If you wash your hands or wash your body in the shower, you use skincare. If you are using products that contain toxic chemicals, carcinogens, this can be a stressor on the body. It can spike cortisol some way or another if it's impacting other hormones. This is just, it's all connected. It's all different layers on top of each other. And if your cortisol is spike, it can lead to weight gain. It can lead to gut issues. There are so many repercussions, which is why I really, really think it's important to switch to non-toxic personal care. And one of my favorite brands when it comes to non-toxic personal care products is Primally Pure. All of their products are made using real ingredients derived from nature. They work incredibly well. They are soothing to the skin. They're all made with certified organic ingredients and they source their ingredients from family-owned farms whenever possible, which is awesome. I love that they support those family-owned farms and they have a wide range of products that I love. You guys know that I love their deodorants. My favorites are the charcoal deodorant and the blue tansy, and I also love the geranium, but they have other scents as well. You can even take a quiz on their website to find out which deodorant is the best fit for you. If you have sensitive armpits, go for the blue tansy and or the charcoal. They also sell my favorite dry shampoo and they have a light locks version and a dark locks version which is so nice because okay well it's easier for me because my hair is blonde right now my hair was not always blonde and when my hair was a darker brown I had a really hard time with dry shampoo because it would leave a white cast and it was harder to rub in but they have a darker color dry shampoo so it just soaks oil right up and you can't even see it anymore so they have a light and a dark option which I love it smells great They also have a ton of different products for both your face and your body. I recently have started using their fancy face serum. You guys know I love a good face serum and it is really, really nourishing. I love it. It's great for all skin types, but it can help to diminish fine lines, scarring, age spots, any type of discoloration. I think a lot of us can use help with that. It contains essential oils like lavender and frankincense, which are known to help a lot with soothing the skin. Lavender is also great for wrinkles, acne, eczema, anything like that. And frankincense is known 
also to be great for aging skin. It also contains thyme and lemon essential oil. I love lemon essential oil to brighten the skin and help to get rid of any discoloration. So again, all natural ingredients and you can look up every single ingredient and find why it's so incredible. And they also have a ton of different cleansing oils for different skin types. They have beauty creams and lip balms and complexion mists. I love it. And they also have options for men. They have a men's line and a baby line. I know a lot of men who love their beard oil and then their baby line, they have so many options. They have a baby oil, baby powder, baby bar. So if you know someone who's having a baby or has a baby, hook them up. But it's a great brand in general to get gifts for people because who doesn't love something for some self-care? Like get them a sea soak, get them a face serum. They will thank you forever. So if you want to check out some Primally Pure products, go to bit.ly slash CRW and use my discount code wellness10. That's W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S 10. That'll get you 10% off of anything on the website. So use that to get yourself something. Use that to get a friend something. Stock up for the holidays. I keep telling people, buy stuff before November in December when everything sells out and everyone is running around like a crazy person trying to get their shopping in. It's stressful. Just do it now. I always do my shopping October or early November to get it out of the way. So again, go to bit.ly slash CRW and check out all their products. And if you try something, let me know what you think. Share what products you love so other people can join in share that in our facebook group wellness realness podcast tribe so again that discount code is wellness 10 you won't regret it so using non-toxic safe personal care products obviously is key for our health this is just one of the many points dr becky makes when she is discussing things that are important to address in terms of thyroid health specifically so if you want to listen to all of dr campbell's tips for optimizing thyroid function and health in general, then this is the episode for you. Without further ado, here is Dr. Becky Campbell. Hello, Dr. Campbell. Thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you because I have struggled with thyroid issues for a while and I think that learning about it is very fascinating. And then I heard you, I think the first time on Balanced Bites podcast, and was just blown away by all of the amazing information you had to give and how digestible we make it all. So I was desperate to get you on my podcast because I want you to share everything with my audience too. But before we get into that, can you tell people a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah. So I started with functional medicine as a patient myself, which I think most functional medicine practitioners do. Um, you know, I, I, I can say I probably never felt great my whole life, but in, I'd say my early twenties, I just felt completely off, you know, worse than normal. Um, I had gained 30 pounds, which I never had a problem with weight before, I started losing my hair and you know, when it, you're losing, I'm sure if you've lost hair, it's not just a few strands like normal, it's like clumps. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely concerning. And I was really, really, really tired, just overwhelmingly tired. So 
I kind of went on a search to figure out what was wrong with me and nobody knew, you know, my labs looked good. Plus they weren't really testing me thoroughly. So the labs that they were doing, which were very, very limited, looked good. And, you know, kind of went from doctor to doctor, which they do, they send you, you know, they look at your body in parts. So like if your stomach is bothering you, they're like, okay, go to the GI doctor and then, you know, whatever. So they sent me all over, no one knew anything. And they pretty much just tried kind of brushing it off to depression and, you know, being in my head and tried to give me antidepressants, which I wasn't going to do. And, um, so I just, I knew that I had to figure this out. So I found functional medicine. I, you know, wasn't very big back then. Um, not like it is now. And I found this big center. I was living in Atlanta at the time and they looked at me differently. You know, they, first of all, listened to me. It was a, not a quick consultation. It was a long consultation where they took a really in-depth history and, you know, did all these different tests and found out that I had a thyroid issue um, because they did more thorough testing than previous doctors. And they looked at the lab ranges differently, which is a big, big part of that, um, getting the proper diagnosis. So, you know, I went through gut testing and adrenal testing and food sensitivity testing and all that and, you know, changing my diet and, um, you know, treating the adrenal issue and treating the gut issues completely changed my life. I mean, I lost weight very quickly. I started to have energy again, my hair stopped falling out and I felt like a normal person. So I knew that I wanted to learn that. And I knew that I wanted to be able to do the same thing, um, you know, with other people that they had done with me. So that's kind of where I am now. So when you first were going through this, what were, what were you studying? Cause were you in school at the time for something else? I was in chiropractic school. Okay. Yeah. So I finished that and then I went on and just went to as many seminars and classes as I could to learn natural medicine. So then I became a doctor of natural medicine as well. I mean, I, I did practice chiropractic for a while, mm-hmm. um, but then I, it just wasn't as much as I do think it's great. It wasn't really my passion like this is. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just moved on to this. And are you focusing in your practice now? Like mostly everyone is th- dealing with thyroid issues or, it, or do you work with everything? I work with everything. I mean, thyroid is just so many people have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of patients that are kind of drawn to me with thyroid issues, but I work with so many different issues. I do a lot with histamine intolerance, um, you know, just like adrenal issues, gut issues that are just causing crazy symptoms in people. Yeah. So I'm curious more about like, okay, so you found out you have the thyroid issue and then do you feel like there was something that specifically triggered the thyroid issue? Like what caused yeah. that? Yeah. So I had, um, for one, I had a gut issue. I had parasites and candida, which I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And the gut is a big trigger for a lot of issues, you know, a lot of different symptoms and, and actual diseases the gut can trigger. Um, and then the adrenals, they run hand in hand with the thyroid. They run in the same axis. So if you have an issue with one, it can definitely trigger an issue with the other, Um, I had heavy metal toxicity, you know, mercury, mercury can actually go into the thyroid gland and cause an issue. So 
I had Epstein-Barr virus, which can do the same thing. So I think it was kind of a combination of everything Mm -hmm. working against me to make my thyroid start, you know, under-functioning. Yeah. It's so, this is one of the reasons why I felt so like, I I messaged you and I was like, we need to be best friends because we have such a similar (laughs) story because that's kind of the same thing with me. Like I had Epstein-Barr, I had heavy metals, candida, SIBO, um, and thyroid stuff. So that's why I was just curious, but I mean, okay. Why is this going so undiagnosed? Like why is it that so many people don't realize that they have thyroid issues? Because people will go in and let's say they have, let's say their symptom is constipation Mm -hmm. and they go to their doctor and they say, I have constipation. Their doctor sends them to a GI specialist. They get whether it's a colonoscopy or something along those lines. And they go, nope, you don't have cancer. You're fine. Take this PPI. And then that's kind of all they're told. Or they go in and they say, you know, um, I'm gaining weight. And they, they'll say, well, stop eating so much. <laughs> I mean, they're mm-hmm. just not really listening, I think. And then if they are running labs, they're just checking TSH. And if TSH is normal, they're like, no, you're fine. And their version of normal is not the same version of what functional medicine calls normal because the the lab ranges are just way too wide with conventional medicine. Mm -hmm. So you could have a TSH of five and they'll say, no, you're normal. But we know that is way too high. Your TSH should be around two or less. And so we start looking at things earlier. So it's, it's almost like they're kind of waiting until the disease is full blown. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, you have a thyroid issue. <laughs> and then just take these meds. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's is, unfortunate. Is there a certain population that you see is struggling with their thyroid the most? Like a certain type of demographic? Um, I don't know about that. But I know, you know, Americans, about 20 million Americans have it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's about a seven to one male to, or female to male ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I Why just see that? a lot of, it's, it's because of estrogen, you know, estrogen, you know, women create more, produce more estrogen in general. Um, and then especially during puberty and, you know, when you're pregnant, you know, when you, you know, premenopause, all that different times in your life or you have these fluctuations in hormones and estrogen actually makes the thyroid cells more, um, it, it, it helps the immune system to kind of see them more. Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of people will get this, you know, Hashimoto's, which is 97% of hypothyroidism ha- you know, is Hashimoto's, which is the autoimmune disease. So. Oh my gosh. Is it really 97? I didn't know it was mm-hmm. that high. Oh yeah. It's about 97. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wait, let's talk about Hashimoto's for a second and like how diagnosing that, how is that diagnosed? Well, you have to run the, the antibodies. So this is another reason why this is getting missed. When you go into your doctor, if they run a panel, they'll typically just run TSH and maybe T4 free, which makes no sense to me because T3 free is the usable form of thyroid hormone. So then they, and most of the time will not check the, uh, the antibodies and the antibodies are telling us if you have an immune system issue where your immune system is attacking you at the thyroid gland. So, you know, Hashimoto's is the number one cause of hypothyroid. So if you look 
for the the um, antibodies right away. Sometimes you'll see that people have antibodies and their thyroid numbers are completely normal. So catching it early, you can make it to where someone never has hypothyroidism, even though they have the antibodies. But again, like people aren't testing this. So they're just, it's becoming where the body's just attacking the thyroid and depleting the hormones. And then once the hor- you, you've attacked your thyroid so much that the hormones are so depleted and it shows up on a blood test, mm-hmm. then they're getting diagnosed and they've had so much destruction into their thyroid at this point. What's interesting is like I've been looking into this a lot recently and like r- reference ranges for antibodies and what mm-hmm. is in and out of range. And I'm curious if, like what you think in terms of that. Um, well, there's so the it's it's hard to say. OK, so you can have I think it's like less than 35 and then less than one is yeah. what it says in the lab. So. I don't diagnose anyone with anything unless they're out of the range, mm. but I think that the um, opinion on how bad Hashimoto's is, depending on how high the antibodies, is different, and it's different even in the functional medicine community because I've been in classes where I've learned that it doesn't matter how high they are, and not even to bother continue to you know continuing to check them, and then I've been in courses where it's like, no, this matters and keep checking them. Don't you know they're, they're not getting better unless the antibodies are going down. So I think that any number over normal is, uh, is telling you, you know, there's an issue. And then some people they are just really high and some people they're not. And it, and honestly, it doesn't really coincide with symptoms a lot of the times. Like I'll see someone whose antibodies are over a thousand mm. and they are barely symptomatic. And then I'll see someone who's like 90 and they, they feel terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's interesting. Know, I, well, it's, it's, it goes back to just like labs in general, how reference ranges are confusing. Like for patients, you mm-hmm. can go to a bunch of different doctors and they might, one will diagnose you with, with something and the other will not. Um, mm-hmm. Like with like Hashimoto's, for instance, like I've seen some people say if if your antibodies are over like two or 10 um, versus just being over 35, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. And I'm wondering if that also has to do with like in the context of a, healthy diet and lifestyle. Um, yeah, I think that everyone, they, they present things differently. Mm-hmm. So they may, um, some people just aren't symptomatic and I don't really know why, but some people are very symptomatic and it, it doesn't matter how high or low their numbers are. Mm-hmm. So it's, it matters as far as diagnosing, but it doesn't really matter um, as far as what the person is going to experience. Now, I always tell people if they're, if they have, their numbers are really off and they feel pretty good. I'm like, you, you don't understand how lucky you are. <laughs> I mean, yeah. some people whose numbers look like this, their whole lives are ruined right now, you know? So what if someone has high numbers, but they're not symptomatic? Do they still need to address that? Yeah. So what I want to do is look at the gut every time I see any autoimmunity. Um, you know, about 70% of the gut or the immune system lies in the gut. So I always, always look at the gut. And it's 
they're lucky if they're not symptomatic, but they most likely will become symptomatic if they don't address it, you know? So if, if they have high antibodies and they're, um, it, it really doesn't matter if they're lab, other lab ranges are normal or not. Mm-hmm. I, I do really thorough gut testing and I always change their diet too immediately because that makes a big difference too. I mean, Hashimoto's is an inflammatory disease. So I want everyone off of foods that are going to cause more inflammation. And, you know, you just want to, whether I really, it's, it's not that I don't really listen to symptoms, but I don't go by symptoms. I really want to work on it, whether someone's symptomatic or not, because I don't want them to become symptomatic, you know? Yeah. Well, and they're also like, I didn't realize this until I read your book that there are a lot of people who have Hashimoto's who don't have antibodies show up on their blood test, but then when you get an Mm -hmm. ultrasound, you have them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, um, yeah, it's, it's about 20%. It's about 20% of people, you know, they get the antibodies run and they're totally normal. Mm-hmm. And then they get an ultrasound and their thyroid's enlarged and inflamed. And, um, you know, it's obvious that they have Hashimoto's. So if you, you know, really feel like you have Hashimoto's and it's just not showing up on blood, I always recommend getting an ultrasound. Okay. I want to talk about some symptoms. Like mm-hmm. what are symptoms people should be looking out for that might indicate they're having an issue with their thyroid? So, you know, I primarily work with hypothyroid and Hashimoto's, but there's definitely a lot of hyperthyroid and Graves um, mm. disease going on, you know, and there's a lot, of, I still work with a lot of people with that too. So they're both kind of different. Um, for hypothyroid, you're going to have weight gain, you're going to start losing your hair, um, fatigue, constipation, depression, um, you know, joint pain, muscle pain. There's a lot of people with fibromyalgia. It's this, you know, research shows between 40 and 70% of people with fibromyalgia have a thyroid issue. Um, so, and then feeling kind of cold all the time, that's typically hypothyroid and Hashimoto's. And then on, on the other hand, um, hyperthyroid, they're kind of sweating all the time. They're, they're having heart palpitations. They're losing too much weight they're nervous all the time. So it's kind of the the exact opposite, but sometimes you can fluctuate in and out of hypo and hyper, especially with Hashimoto's and especially earlier in the disease. You can, you know, I have patients say this to me all the time that they're fluctuating in and out of hypo and hyper, or they have Hashimoto's and it's, it's leading them into hypothyroidism and they got diagnosed with hyperthyroidism because at the Mm. time their, their tests were taken, they were, you know, they looked like a hyperthyroid, but that's what Hashimoto's can do early. So again, that's when you need more thorough testing. Okay. And then Graves disease. Same. Yeah. Same as hyperthyroid, same symptoms, except for Graves, you get, um, if you ever have seen certain people, if they're really thin, they don't have to be really thin, but it typically you're thin on the thinner side mm-hmm. and you can notice it with the eyes, you know, your eye, the eyes kind of start to bulge out. Um, that is, goes along with Graves disease. Okay. And in terms of like going about addressing the thyroid issues, obviously like 
potential medications would be different if you need more or less <laughs> thyroid. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of like lifestyle changes, do you go about this the same things for hyper and hypothyroidism? Yep, exactly the same. And that's why I didn't want to do a Hashimoto's book. I wanted to do a thyroid book because it's the same. You're still looking for triggers. You're still addressing, um, you know, this by eating anti-inflammatory foods and foods that support the thyroid specifically and foods that support the gut specifically. So yeah, it's, it's definitely looked at the same way as okay. far as from a functional medicine perspective. Okay. Which, I mean, people always ask, like, what's the first thing I should do if I have X, Y, or Z? But sometimes I'm just like, you know what? You know what? No matter what health issue you have, you're still going to need to, like, do the same things with your diet and exercise and lifestyle. So true. Honestly. Yeah. Like, no matter what it is. Like... <laughs> so true. Yeah. Um, so even if you don't have a thyroid issue, you can pick up your book and just <laughs> follow those lifestyle recommendations. But I want to talk more about some of the potential triggers. So you mm -hmm. touched on a few at the beginning, like so you touched on gut issues. So like dysbiosis. Um, yeah. What what else could be a, a trigger? Um, so other gut issues, you know, would be candida, parasites, leaky gut. I mean, leaky gut is a huge, it's literally like an open doorway to autoimmune disease. So most people with autoimmune disease have leaky gut. So this is, and these gut infections like yeast overgrowth and SIBO, they can cause leaky gut. So this is why addressing the gut is so important um, but again, the, the adrenal, you know, the HPA access, which is the adrenal glands, pretty much what people refer to as that. Um, so checking cortisol levels and, um, you know, other adrenal hormones, heavy metal toxicity, um, vitamin deficiencies, which are mostly driven by gut infections. Again, why the gut's so important, um, sex hormone dysfunction, chronic infections, you know, Epstein-Barr, everyone's talking about Epstein-Barr right now and how it affects your thyroid. So those are the main triggers. Those are the main things that I check um, with people who I work with to see what's kind of driving the issue. Yeah. Can we talk a bit more about Epstein-Barr? Because I think a lot of people listening to this probably don't know much about Epstein-Barr and kind of what that is in the progression. Yeah. So it's, um, most people have Epstein-Barr or have had it first of all. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it can cause mono. So a lot of people have heard of mono. Um, a lot of people have had mono and didn't realize it. And a good way to know if you've ever had Epstein-Barr doesn't have to be mono is if you've just gone through a period of time, you know, it's usually a few months where you're exhausted, you know, trouble getting out of bed, but but really exhausted, you know, no matter how long you've slept. Um, and so it's, it basically what happens is it can kind of lie dormant in the body and then it can reactivate. So there's different things that can cause it to reactivate like stress and, um, you know, stress kind of causes everything yeah. to reactivate. <laughs> uh, but eating, you know, eating bad and just not taking care of your body, can kind of just cause us to reactivate. And some people never have this. Some people have it once. Some people have multiple reactivations. But basically, this, this virus can go through different stages. And once it gets to 
one of the later stages, it can take play. It kind of resides in different organs in the body. So it just so happens to really like the thyroid. And so a lot of people, you know, will come to me with a thyroid issue and they've had Epstein bar and they know they've had Epstein bar. So it's, it's one of the biggest triggers I think for sure for thyroid disease. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I think that people, a lot of people know they have mono and they don't even know what Epstein-Barr is or kind of mm-hmm. like what that means or how that can lead to different, cause it can progress beyond just like, just thyroid. Like, Oh yeah. What, what else can that lead to? Um, really? I mean, it can cause problems in any, any of the organs in the body. It just mm-hmm. depends on where it is. So I mean, if you look at people like the medical medium, I think he basically contributes every single issue to Epstein-Barr. Yeah, um, he does. You know, he does. <laughs> and I don't know that I agree necessarily with that, but I think that it's possible that it's contributed to a lot of different things going on. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I would attribute everything to stress and leaky mm-hmm. gut. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So, one of the other things you mentioned were like vitamin nutrient deficiencies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you chat more about what vitamins and nutrients someone might be deficient in? Sure. Yeah. So, um, a lot of times the deficiencies were, you know, I see coming from someone having gut issues and then not being able to um, absorb them properly because of that. So those are your B vitamins. Um, those are, you know, your magnesium is typically deficient in people with thyroid issues. Iron can be a, a deficiency. Um, and vitamin D actually is something really common. You know, the, the receptor sites for vitamin D is actually malformed in, in certain uh, people with Hashimoto's. So they can take a ton of vitamin D and it's really hard for their body to actually absorb it. So, um, and then selenium, you know, selenium is one of the most protective nutrients for the thyroid. So that's why a lot of people you'll hear say to take selenium when you have a thyroid issue. I actually prefer to get selenium from food, Mm -hmm. um, because there's plenty of foods that are really high in selenium and, I have seen research that over time taking selenium can be a problem. So, what are your favorite selenium rich foods? Well, Brazil nuts are really easy. I mean, you can just eat two or three of those a day, and then you have all your requirements. Um, there's grass fed beef, is really good for selenium. Eggs are good for selenium, chicken, turkey. So, that's stuff that most people eat. Mm-hmm. So, if you're, as long as you're gut is healthy and you're absorbing your nutrients, you shouldn't really have to take the supplement. Okay. The other, what I, one thing I wanted to chat with you about was, um, iodine cause mm-hmm. th- there's some like conflicting <laughs> opinions about iodine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like sp- being deficient in iodine could cause thyroid issue, right? But you wouldn't want to take that if you have autoimmune, right? Well, that's what people normally say. Um, but I think, you know, people like Chris Kresser started talking, this is kind of where I first started hearing this in a different way Mm -hmm. about as long as your selenium is not deficient, you should be able to take iodine. Okay. Now that 
I don't typically, I actually never give an actual iodine supplement, Mm -hmm. but I may have people do like one capsule of kelp or adding kelp flakes to their food or something like that. And you just have to really watch. I mean, you'll know if you start to get inflamed, you're going to notice, you're going to have trouble swallowing. You're going to be able to see it and feel it. (laughs) So you do have to be conscious of it, but if you're doing selenium and you're doing, you know, iodine, um, modestly, I think that, that you're, you're probably going to be good with that. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I, cause I always see conflicting things and like, we're t- like, so as a, an NTP, when we are evaluating someone, we're like told not to even touch iodine if someone has mm-hmm. a thyroid condition in case it will make them flare? I do, um, on some people I'll do iodine testing Mm -hmm. with urine to kind of see what's going on with their body and how they process it. And if they're deficient, uh, I find a lot of people aren't deficient in it though. So I don't really give it, you know, I really try not to do a lot of supplements. I try to do as much as I can with food, um, or do supplements temporarily until their body handles, you know, absorbing the nutrients from food better, you know, whatever the case may be. I like that approach. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, okay. Before we start moving into like diet, cause I definitely want to dive into that. Um, Mm -hmm. if, okay, let's say someone goes to a doctor and they're told they have hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism, Hashimoto's, Graves. Does this mean that they need to go on medication? It depends on where they are. So if this is really late in the game and they're thyroid is so depleted, most likely they do. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't really like Synthroid because it's kind of gets to the point where you really just can't get off of it. And many people have problems converting T4 to T3 Mm -hmm. and Synthroid is just T4. So I always say, if you are going to have to be put on it, try something like Nature Throid because it's T4 and it's T3 and it doesn't have a lot of fillers in it. It's very few ingredients and it's tolerated pretty well. But on the other hand, if it's early, they definitely should not um, have to be put on it. Unfortunately, they still are a lot of the time, but there are some really good supplements. Um, Dr. Ron's has a thyroid and liver supplement that I love And I've seen people's lab ranges go really, really, really good with that. I mean, of course, they're doing all the other stuff too. They're changing their diet. They're, you know, finding their triggers. Um, But that's typically enough support for people who have, you know, maybe in the first few years of this disease. Mm -hmm. So it really just depends. And I talk to each person I work with specifically about what's going on with their body. Yeah, I think that... The medication thing seems to be a very touchy subject um, mm-hmm. in my space because, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who are just very uh, anti any type of medication, um, mm-hmm. and that leads to, like, shaming of people who end up taking it. Right. And then on the other side of the spectrum, there are people who just take medication without even addressing, like, diet or lifestyle or not giving that a shot. Um and I think it's important for people to understand that it's like very individual for different yes. people and that whatever, like if they're giving it their best shot in terms of changing their lifestyle, their diet, 
and it's still not your thyroid's still not where you need to go you shouldn't feel bad about needing to take medication like you need it <laughs> absolutely absolutely like i'm very lucky that i got on medication i was put on armor and i was able to get off of it but but a lot of people can't and that's completely fine as far as medications go Thyroid medication is very benign as far as side effects compared mm-hmm. to others. So there's definitely no shame at all in taking it. And you just, you know, the the beauty of working with someone or, you know, doing a plan like in the book is that at least you can hopefully get it to where you're taking the least amount possible. Yeah instead of increasing, because that's what most people are doing. They're put on it and then they're increase and then increase and then increase because they're not dealing with where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the whole point of what I do with people. It's like, maybe you have to be on medication, maybe you don't, but I'm going to try to get you on, you know, your body as stable as possible where you can be on as little medication as, as possible and just feel as good as you can. Mm -hmm. I'm sure your patients appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay. So let's start talking about like all these lifestyle factors that that we can address. Um, Mm -hmm. and I want to start off with diet and you talk a lot Mm -hmm. about an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, what does, what does that entail for you? Well, for me, it's mostly about what you're removing, you Mm -hmm. know, removing processed foods, removing for thyroid, you have to remove gluten. I don't care what anyone tells you, you have to remove gluten just the way it is. Why is that? Um, Because your body, there's something called molecular mimicry and your body um, can mistake in gluten for your thyroid gland and vice versa. So they're very similar in molecular makeup. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a case of mistaken identity. Your body starts attacking your thyroid when you're eating gluten. So you just have to stay away from it. Um, I At first, I have people removing dairy, and then I'll let them try raw dairy since it's less inflammatory than conventional. Um, you know, removing grains because not only can they be inflammatory, but they can also be an, an anti-nutrient. You know, they can make it so your body's not absorbing really essential nutrients. So, um, processed sugar, you know, removing that. And even with fruit, I don't think you should be going crazy with eating tons of fruit all day because that can still affect your blood sugar levels and and cause, you know, anxiety and issues like that. So you also have people remove ghee. No, I don't have people remove ghee. No, just, it, it actually, I have people, um, they can have ghee and they can also have grass-fed butter after the first 30 days. It's just that right in the beginning, just kind of getting much more strict. But Mm -hmm. then, but overall, what I'm leaving people with is ghee, grass-fed butter, um, you know, really, uh, you know, even making desserts as long as they're made with the right type of sugar, that all that stuff's kind of fine. But just at first, I want people to cut out all dairy, cut out sugar, cut out all grains. And then we kind of work in stages. Okay. And something you also mentioned to kind of like limit slash moderate at the beginning are nuts and seeds. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Um, just because again, you know, nuts can be, they're kind of one of those controversial, you know, some people do well with them. Some people don't. 
So anything that I know that can be a, any type of issue, you know, needing to soak nuts is because same reason for grains. So anything that I know could be a problem at first, I just remove or I have them limit at least. And then we start introducing those back in and seeing how they do with it. Okay. Gotcha. Um, okay. So do you, I know a lot of people who have like Hashimoto's for instance, will move to AIP. Do you have people ever do that? Or do you find that just with the suggestions you just said, like they tend to get enough relief? So I will try it without doing AIP first. Mm -hmm. And then if they're still having issues, then I will start to, to remove, you know, nightshades and that type of thing. Eggs, you know, the typical AIP diet. Yeah. Okay. I find a lot of people don't need to do that. And it's, you know, one thing is, I think, and you probably um, experience this too, you don't want to be really overwhelming mm-hmm. to people because then they won't do any of it. Yeah. So I try to um, be smart about what I have people remove so psychologically they can even handle it. And, you know, kind of work with people based on how they do with removing things and whether or not they really understand this as a lifestyle change and yeah. that type of thing. So I try to, to limit stuff up front. I mean, I definitely limit a lot of stuff up front, but then hopefully they don't need to go into AIP. If they do, that's fine. We work with that. But then eventually trying to get them where they can have a lot more stuff than they started with. Yeah, I agree. And I also see like with working with people, like I might suggest something, but you know, if it's stressing them out too much, then it's not going to work anyways. No, it's going to cause other problems, you know? Yeah. So it's about finding that middle ground where like eliminating the things you need to eliminate, but also if it's overly stressful, it's not worth it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why it can be shocking for some people where some people like will tend to go straight to the strictest option um, and they're fine with that, and they don't really realize that that is causing them stress. And then they're right. surprised when they loosen up on the diet, for instance, that they get better results. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's like with coffee. Mm. I don't think coffee's great for a lot of people. I think some people it's fine. Mm-hmm. And some people it makes them way worse. But if someone drinks three or four cups of coffee a day and you're like, Starting tomorrow, you'll have zero. (laughs) I think that can be really scary for some people. And it can actually make them just say, never mind. So I have them kind of start cutting it down. And I always, if I'm working with someone one-on-one, I'll test their adrenals. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you exactly how much coffee you can have once you see your (laughs) adrenal test. But for now, let's, you know, cut it down a little bit. (laughs) So is that the main reason why why you like aren't a huge coffee fan because of its effects on the adrenals or is there anything else? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the adrenals. It's, it can affect blood sugar and it can affect sleep. So people, you know, some people don't realize caffeine stays in your butt, in your blood for about 12 hours. Mm. So if you have a 12 o'clock cup of coffee, you may have trouble sleeping and they're not really putting that together. So Um, and then also if you're already high cortisol and you're drinking coffee, you're going to be a very nervous person and you're going to feel on edge and that your sympathetic nervous system is going to be kind of going crazy all day. So it's really helpful to try to cut it back and 
you know, the healthier you are, the less you feel like you need coffee, in my opinion. I mean, it's what I've seen with myself. It's what I've seen with working with people. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to take it away completely at first, but I want to get their bodies to they don't wake up and feel like, oh my gosh, where's my coffee? I'm dying. I want them to feel good when they wake up. So it's, it's definitely doable to get off of coffee or just have a little bit, you know, if you, if you just really like to have it. So after hearing that, are you ready to get off coffee yet? (laughs) One of my favorite ways to transition people off of coffee or to get them to kick that caffeine habit is to have them replace that ritual with something else. And one of the best replacements, in my opinion, is to use a Four Sigmatic Mushroom Elixir. There is a whole kingdom of mushrooms out there, far beyond the typical portobello or shiitake. And this whole kingdom of mushrooms, they all have different incredible health benefits from immunity to energy to longevity, even hormone balancing. And these have been used for centuries in different cultures. People now are finally starting to figure this out over here and take advantage of it. And I love Four Sigmatic because they make functional mushrooms easy to add into your diet because they make these delicious mushroom elixirs that you can literally just mix with hot water or some warm nut milk if you want to get fancy or plop them in a smoothie or some other drink, maybe even in a baked good. The options are endless. All of Four Sigmatic's products are made from certified organic mushrooms and they are all tested for pesticides, heavy metals, and other toxins. I've had a lot of clients who swap out their typical morning drink, which is often coffee or black tea or even green tea, and they'll switch it out for a Four Sigmatic elixir, and they love it. The chaga is a little reminiscent of coffee, the chaga mushroom elixir. This is a great mushroom elixir to support immunity, which is awesome at this time of year. It's really high in antioxidants, so I know people who are struggling with any sort of health condition where they really want to boost their antioxidants, chaga can be a great one to include in your diet. I love having this in the morning. Like I said, a lot of people think it tastes similar to coffee. Another mushroom elixir that's incredible is the cordyceps, which helps to give you some natural energy versus coffee, which gives you an energy spike and then a crash. Cordyceps helps your body produce its own energy and it's more even balanced type of energy. So athletes especially love this. It's a great one to drink during the day. And then there's lion's mane, which is incredible for brain function to support your cognition, to support your nervous system, great for memory, concentration. If you're a student, hop on the lion's mane. And then my personal favorite, the reishi. The reishi and the chaga are definitely my most used. The reishi I have literally every night, and this is great for reducing stress, supporting sleep, which are two key components of any healthy lifestyle, but also things that are going to support the thyroid, as Dr. Becky knows so well and explains so well in her book. The reishi is so delicious. I have no words to describe how good reishi is. I like to drink it a few hours before bed. And recently, so my friend Meg Dahl got me into this because we were drinking reishi lattes basically all the time when I was visiting her in Canada. And 
I've I've done that before, but she kind of got me in a routine. So basically every night I like to have a reishi latte and I'll just mix the reishi with water. I'd like to add in some cinnamon. Meg likes to add in a, a drop of cardamom essential oil and then a few dollops of coconut cream or coconut milk. It is so delicious. And I don't do this every night because cacao is a stimulant, but I also, when I want to be extra fancy, I'll put a square of 100% dark chocolate in the bottom of my mug and then I pour in the hot water the coconut cream and the reishi and the cinnamon and I mix it all up and the chocolate square sort of like slowly melts from the hot water but it's still at the bottom so you get this like chocolatey reishi coconut cinnamon latte and then at the end there's still like a little bit of a chocolate square there that hasn't totally melted it's delicious Meg was impressed by that one because she usually just puts cacao powder in it when she wants to make it like a reishi hot chocolate. So that's my tip for you. It's delicious. But you don't have to be that extra. Like I said, with all of these elixirs, you can simply just mix the packet. They come in pre-portioned out packets, mix it in with some hot water. Oh, so delicious. And you're getting a ton of health benefits. If you can't give up the coffee, then at least try their mushroom coffee mixes, which is coffee that's also mixed with different mushrooms. So they have one that's mixed with cordyceps and chaga and another mixed with lion's mane and chaga. So you can have your coffee without the jitters. It's helping to give you a more balanced type of stimulation. You won't get that spike and crash. So that is an excellent option as well. And they have a ton of other products that are great. They have a matcha. They have a really awesome charcoal lemonade. They have a mushroom hot cacao mix. So many yummy drinks. So if you want to check it out, go to foursigmatic.com slash CRW and my discount code CRW will get you 15% off. So again, the link is foursigmatic.com slash CRW. F-O-U-R S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash C-R-W and you will get 15% off if you use that discount code C-R-W. So many of you guys have started getting into Four Sigmatic products like me and are loving it so I always love to hear your feedback and if you try them let me know what you think. Now that I've let you guys know about a great way you can kick your coffee habit let's get back to my chat with Dr. Becky Campbell. Yeah, well, also, can't that be, like, a symptom of of hypothyroidism? Like, you wake up every day and you're just so tired anyways. Yeah, definitely. Know? Yeah, it's one of the biggest symptoms. People yeah. will say, I slept seven hours. I feel like I didn't sleep yeah. at all. So yeah. they definitely feel like they rely on coffee. And it's even a bigger symptom of adrenal issues. You know, that, that needing caffeine to get through the day is adrenals 100%. Mm-hmm. Okay, I also want to talk about gortrogens and kind of what your thoughts are on that. Are they going to mess up the thyroid? So it's, again, another controversial controversial topic for Mm -hmm. sure. I mean, everyone says something different. I think that, first of all, if you can cook them, it's Mm -hmm. so much better. You know, if you, some people are fine eating them all the time and some people can't eat them at all, but really like steaming them or, you know, cooking them, just not eating them raw is usually kind of takes care of the issue. So I, I don't 
really make a big deal out of goitrogens. I mean, I put it in the book, a list of what they are. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also talk about how it's really not something I say, don't eat these things because they're so full of nutrients. I mean, if you really took out all, all goitrogens, you're going to be missing a lot of food that you're getting a lot of nutrients from. So it's interesting because that's something I've like read extensively on in the past few mm -hmm. years. And it's so interesting because I see so many like functional medicine doctors say like, you know, the, when you, when you cook them, it helps a lot. And like the pros outweigh the cons and you have to be eating like a lot of them mm -hmm. for it to really affect your thyroid. But then I noticed this trend where at the end, the people would write these long articles saying this and at the end, they'd say, but if you have a thyroid issue, make sure you only keep them to one or two servings a day. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. hmm. So <laughs> I feel like everybody kind of isn't sure. I, I agree. I mean, I think it's something that, um, that you can kind of see different points. People, mm -hmm. people can explain it and you're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but then someone can explain it the opposite way and that makes sense too. And it's, it's just so individual, you know, some people eat goitrogens and they get these huge goiters and some people have no problems at all. I mean, some people have thyroid issues and they've never had a goiter. They've never had anything close to it. So yeah. it's really just something it's a lot of this stuff is trial and error. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, I wouldn't miss, I personally wouldn't miss out on these foods without making sure that they were, I knew that they were bothering me first. Yeah. So it's interesting because I used to eat excessive amounts of mm -hmm. goitrogens and then I had to eliminate them, um, because I found out I'm intolerant to sulfur and, mm. Uh, my thyroid numbers went down significant or went yeah. like they, they improved significantly, um, mm -hmm. which was really interesting. But I also was eating like excessive amounts, right? You know? And yeah. even though they were cooked, um, so I just think it's really it's interesting. And I think for most people, I think for most people, it's not an issue because most people are are only having a few servings a day. Exactly. Like most people aren't eating broccoli for breakfast lunch and dinner, you yeah. know? Yeah. Unless so, you're me, so. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> um, okay. I think the other controversial diet thing that I wanted your opinion on are carbohydrates, mm -hmm. um, especially in the paleo space. There are a lot of people who kind of demonize carbohydrates. And now, now that keto has become this big trend, people are saying you don't need any carbs. Um, you don't need any starchy carbohydrates. I'm, I'm saying carbs, I mean starches, because mm -hmm. we all know we need vegetables. Um, but I'm curious what you think about, like, is there, are there potential negative repercussions of eliminating starches? Are they necessary? Like, where do you lie in that, that issue? So I think that um, overall people with thyroid issues should eat some sort of carbs, you know, some, some starchy carbs, or I would say, or a ton of vegetables, but then you might be getting into all these goitrogens. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I have seen with, you know, thousands of people I've worked with, I've seen not, not in the thousands, but I've seen many, many women who, because, I put them on low carb diets when, whenever there's a gut issue, I put you on a low carb diet, mm -hmm. um, temporarily. And I've seen either people coming to me that were already on a low carb diet or, 
Uh, I, and I wouldn't say low carb. I would say no carb, you know, no starchy carbs whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They are having hair loss. They're just not converting T4 to T3 well. Um, and they're, you know, they're a little bit low energy and some people have trouble eating a lot of fat. So that that's one of the downfalls I see with keto is sometimes you don't like avocados or coconut, uh, you know, coconut oil or butter. So how are you going to get all this fat? You don't need a bunch of dairy. So that can be tricky. So I think that overall a moderate carb diet is probably best for thyroid, you know, anyone with mm-hmm. a thyroid issue. Um, but I had, you know, hypothyroidism myself and I do better with low carbs. So I think it depends on the person and it also depends on what's going on with your gut. You know, if you have SIBO, you're not going to do well by eating cassava and sweet potatoes. You're probably going to blow up like a balloon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you need to kind of downsize the microbiota instead of growing it. It just depends on the person. So, that's, you know, when writing a book, you have to kind of figure out, well, what's the general population going to do best with? Mm -hmm. And then when working with someone one-on-one, you have to kind of see like, what do you do best with? You know, so I, I typically start people off with a moderate carb intake diet. And then when I get their testing back on their gut, I always put them on low carb and I kind of see how they do with it. Some people do really well and some people do terrible. I mean, they're like, I can't, I have no energy. I can't do anything. And I give, I make them push through because, you know, some people just have to adjust. Um, but some people, no matter what, they just can't do well with that. So I, I have kind of mixed emotions about it, but overall I would say thyroid patients need a little bit more carbs than probably someone without a thyroid issue. What to you is like a moderate carb though? And like low carb? Low carb to me is mostly um, fibrous veggies rather than starchy, you know, Mm -hmm. so you're probably not having sweet potatoes or yucca or plantains. You're getting, you know, most of it from veggies. You're having a little bit of low glycemic fruit like berries. Mm -hmm. And then moderate to me is maybe you're having like a half of a green plantain for breakfast and maybe a half of a sweet potato later in the day. Okay. Um, So that's kind of where I like to see people um, somewhere between those two spaces. I don't, I never really put people on high carb diets. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't seen a lot of benefit to that. Okay. I mean, that's still pretty like low for Mm -hmm. people, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's just interesting. That's why I always ask because it depends on like what the person is kind of comparing to. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, but okay. Well, what if someone's going low carb and they're having like symptoms that would indicate they need more, more carbohydrates, like they're not doing so well. Would eating, basically a shit ton of non-starchy vegetables make up for that? Or is there something different about the starch specifically? I don't really know. I mean, to be honest, I've never really researched that specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble by saying this, but I think that for some people, it's a little bit more of an emotional connection. Mm. Um, you know, they're used to eating pasta and rice and bread. And so when you tell them to eat, 
paleo when they're eating a sweet potato, plantains and fruit, they're like, I'm, I'm eating low carb. Mm -hmm. And you're like, no, you're not, you're not eating low. You're definitely not eating low carb. Um, and they will ask, can I have rice or can I have, and it's more that they kind of miss those foods or want that. But Mm -hmm. if I do have someone on a low carb because of working on the gut, and they're doing really bad and we've given it enough time, I do increase starchy carbs more than, um, or, you know, I might say trying increasing your fat Mm -hmm. significantly at first. And some people will do okay with that, but some people won't. Yeah. Do you ever put people on keto? I have. Yeah. I have put people on keto. Um, I just, I, I'm not like, (laughs) I, I'm not really like tied to the names. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So <laughs> that's kind of where I struggle with that. It's I think keto can be really great for some people. And I know that I have a lot of friends on, you know, bloggers who have done great on keto. And I think that's great for them and their body loves that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do put people on a keto like diet, I don't necessarily say now you're going keto. I just kind of switch up what I think they should be eating. And it's it's more modeled after keto, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of fat in keto and I know that I've tried keto and I, and even though I eat very low carb, I couldn't keep up with the fat intake needed. Yeah. So. I don't think people like really realize how much fat is needed. And I think there are just a lot of people now who are saying they're keto. I'm like, you're not, you're just low carb, but mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. I felt that the same way. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> glad we cleared that up. Um, I want to chat a bit about, um, exercise and like mm-hmm. kind of what your recommendations are on exercise, because I mean, it also seems like over-exercising can be a trigger for these issues. Big time. It was a huge trigger for me. I mean, when I was, when I had gained 30 pounds, I was exercising six days a week for two hours a day. Oh my God. And I was getting heavier and heavier. Yeah. I was Uh. running and weight training and doing, um, just like high impact kind of like classes Mm -hmm. and, um, not CrossFit wasn't really out then, but just doing stuff with friends. So it was kind of similar to that. Yeah. And I, finally got shin splints so bad that I had to stop running and I started doing Pilates and I, then I started losing weight and I was like, what, (laughs) how is this possible? Because Pilates to me, it was boring. I I don't do well with, you know, yoga and Pilates. I'm kind of bored. I like that high intensity (laughs) stuff. Um, but sometimes you have to do that and it's, my cortisol was so high. So I was just pushing it higher and higher every time it was busting my ass in the gym and it it just wasn't, um, what my body needed at that time. So I find that most people are suffering with high cortisol over low cortisol, but either way you're, if, if your cortisol is high and you're doing high intensity for long periods of time, it's, it's going to, um, you know, make you gain weight and, and increase your high cortisol symptoms. And if your cortisol is really low, you're depleted, so you're going to be depleting yourself even more. And that's why a lot of people will do exercise and then they feel really bad after. Mm-hmm. And I usually tell people, it, your body's going to tell you what to do. If you're doing something and you feel bad after, your body's telling you not to do that. <laughs> yeah. So. People are just very, people don't want to listen. I don't know if they know how. And even if they do know how to listen to their bodies, they don't want to. <laughs> right. They think that it's like something they just have to push past. But our bodies give us symptoms for a reason. It's, it's kind of like 
yelling at us, hello, there's something wrong. So I, you know, what I do is I have everyone start off. I think everyone should be exercising if they can, but, um, just something, you know, some lower, more calming stuff like yoga, Pilates, walking, swimming, biking, that type of stuff. And then once I see what their adrenals are doing, then I'll tell them, okay, you're okay to do this now or that. And if it's someone just reading this book, you just need to listen to your body, start off with something low impact. And then as you feel like you're getting, you know, your body's healing, you can start trying other things. And I even list um, specific types of exercise that you can try doing. Yeah. Would you consider weight training low impact or like low impact? Yeah, I think so. Unless you're doing like, you know, something where you're kind of mixing in a lot of cardio with the Mm -hmm. weight training. Um, yeah, I think that you can definitely do weight training low impact. Okay. It's interesting because I see a lot of recommendations on the internet for people to do, they, they, they'll say like low impact stuff, like yoga, Pilates, weights, like straight set weights, and then like hit because it's Mm -hmm. short and intense. Mm -hmm. What are your feelings on incorporating hit? (laughs) I think that, um, hit isn't as taxing as a long term high intense Mm -hmm. training, but I think that for some people who are really acute, they're not going to do well with it. Like they need to wait. That's kind of a second phase in my opinion. Okay. You know, when you're really sick and you're really symptomatic and you're, and, and people with thyroid issues are tired. I mean, they're so tired. They need to think about calming. You know, you want to calm everything down. You want to be, you know, using essential oils. If you're, if you do well with them, you want to be taking naps if you need them, you know, listening to meditations and, really just calming your body down. And then once you start to get better and better, you can start pushing yourself a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think this is, I mean, we talk about thyroid is really common for women. And I think that overtraining is really common with women. And Mm -hmm. I see this too, where I'm recommending to clients to pull back on the exercise. And I'm like, let's just do some Pilates or yoga or walks for a bit. And then I find out that they're doing yoga for like two hours a day. And they're like, you said (laughs) it was fine. I'm like, no, that doesn't mean you can do like Like headstands. (laughs) Yeah. Like, does not mean like, it doesn't mean now you turn into low impact into like, like half your day, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) just messing it up again. And it's like women have this, a really hard time pulling back on the exercise. They do. I know. Well, it's, I think that it's the pressure to look good Mm -hmm. and they, you know, they're giving into that more than they're giving into what their body's screaming. Like, don't worry about that right now. Just get healthy. Yeah. It's hard for people to believe like, and going back to kind of your body could be screaming at you like to stop. But some people interpret that as what they've been told from the fitness industry that, you know, a good workout, like no pain, no gain, you know, like Mm -hmm. they're like, that's a sign of a good workout to them. And so they justify it like that. Um, but I think people just need to kind of have more faith in what their bodies are actually saying, not the internet. (laughs) Absolutely. Your body tells you what to do with everything. When you eat fat food, that's bad. You're going to feel bad. Mm -hmm. When you exercise too much, you're going to feel bad. Just listen. Yeah. Um, also, oh, okay, wait, oh, I want to ask you, so how long were you like doing Pilates and stuff before you felt like you started to get better? 
Well, it wasn't, you know, it was kind of everything at once. So changing my diet definitely helped. And I was eating healthy. I wasn't eating like fast food or anything, but Mm -hmm. I was eating gluten and I was eating dairy. And so those are the two things I cut out first. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did see a change in that. So that um, with the Pilates and with getting my gut healthy and supporting my adrenals, it wasn't very long. I mean, it was probably only maybe less than a six month period of time, mm-hmm. um, until I felt back to my normal self again. I mean, I, I've had many health issues, you know, so I've, it wasn't until I was actually practicing myself that I even learned more about my body. Mm-hmm. But as far as feeling back to like a normal, my normal self, you know, being able to, function and do all the things I needed to do. It was really not that long. And that's, this is what has, um, really inspired me to make this book. It's that I see the biggest change with my patients in the first 30 days. And it's because I'm changing their diet and Mm -hmm. I'm giving them liver support and the two things together, plus the liver support I have has a lot of nutrients in it. So those things together are make like miraculous changes and people they're losing weight, they're sleeping, they're getting energy. And so it can happen really quickly. It's just that if you're, if it's more to it, you then should still continue to search, like looking for your triggers. So this doesn't become a bigger problem down the road, but you can really make just small changes and, and notice a big difference. Yeah. That's encouraging. Kind mm -hmm. of go back to your liver support. Are there any like uh, natural food lifestyle things people can do to support their livers? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I give people my shake. That's, mm-hmm. you know, I have a cleanse. But besides that, there's, you know, apples, carrots, beets. Those are really good um, detoxifying liver supporting foods. So, if you do well with juices, not everybody does, and you should definitely keep them low in the sugar. But um, you know, mixing those three things together with maybe a green, um, like kale would, is a good place to start. You can do, um, you can do Epsom salt baths. Some people do great with those. Some people don't. So you have to be careful. You know, you want to start slow. Um, you can do, um, you know, infrared saunas. There's a lot of different ways to detox, but you, you really do need to support your liver because, you can't have healthy hormone levels if your liver's not doing its job. Because that's one of the biggest jobs of the liver is to, to support hormone levels. Mm-hmm. Kind of tied into that, something that I love that you talk about in your book that I feel like no other books talk about are the importance of personal care products and like what mm-hmm. you're putting on your skin um, and using in your house. Could you chat more a bit about like what why that's so important? Yeah, well, it's because... Um, a lot of women, especially women, but, but men too, use so many personal care products. And the problem is, is that a lot of these products are, um, endocrine disruptors, which mean that they literally change the hormones in your body. And typically it's raising estrogen. So that, and in addition to your products, it's in, you know, plastics and, you know, all that type of stuff too. Mm -hmm. So you can't eat healthy food and exercise properly and, you know, support your gut and your adrenals 
and then be putting on toxic makeup and toxic, you know, lotion, which your skin is the biggest organ in the body. So it's literally just sucking that all in. And there's heavy metals in, in these products and um, to so many problems with what they're putting in these products. And, mm-hmm. and you know, one thing we, you know, we talk about with Beauty Counter, because so many of us people, you know, on Instagram, bloggers, doctors now are talking about Beauty Counter because, mm-hmm. um, you know, People say to me, "Well, it's expensive," and I'm and I. First of all, I don't think it. I don't think it is at bad. all. I'm like I, I used to spend way more when before because yeah. I used to buy everything from Sephora and it was way more expensive. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and and the reason that cheap makeup is cheap is because they're filling it with crap. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> it's it's important. It's really important what you put on your body, and you can't just do like one thing and not you know, worry about the rest of it. And one thing that I think everyone who knows me from Instagram knows is I hate perfume and I'm so vocal about it. And it's so offensive to me because not only are you hurting yourself with perfume, but you're hurting everyone around you. And I don't think that people know. I mean, I, I think that no one intentionally is doing that, but they don't realize how it can not only affect your your hormones, but it literally makes people feel terrible to smell perfume if yeah. they're not someone who wears it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I used to wear perfume and I had no idea, but as soon as I found out, I stopped and, you know, I feel much better since I did. And now if I'm around it, I, I literally feel like I'm dying. <laughs> oh, I'm the same. I'm the same way. And it's not even just like straight perfume. Cause I know people are going to think that and think, okay, I won't wear perfume, but it's like mm-hmm. anything that's giving off a big scent. It's like, yes. it's like these, lotion. Yeah. And like those gross scented candles, like when you get in your Uber and they have those, uh. those fil- those, what are they called? The air, the air fresheners or whatever. It's they put horrible. them on the air vent yeah. and they're blowing it in your face. <laughs> they're slowly killing you. <laughs> yeah. it's And then by the time you get out of the Uber, you feel like you're drunk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, were you the one who had a, who yeah. had a face mask on? <laughs> Yes. I took my sweater and like tied it around my head and I put essential oils on the sweater because I could smell it through my sweater still. It was ridiculous. I love that. Well, I know I saw someone on Instagram who um, carries one of those like, like, uh, what are they called? You would know because you're a doctor. Those like doctor masks. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, she carries it in her purse and every time she's in an Uber, she puts it on. Yeah, <laughs> and you I'm have like, I to. Should. Yeah, but people don't think about that. And also something interesting that I heard was like when you, ha- I mean, when you have adrenal or thyroid issues, that you, you're more, even more sensitive to it. Fair. Yeah. Like well, any- because of leaky gut. Yeah. Leaky gut makes you more sensitive to it. You know, it makes it, me it, Leaky gut makes you sensitive to everything, but Leaky well, gut makes you more sensitive yeah. and, and honestly not wearing it and, and being away, you know, changing out your household cleaners and everything it, for you and then getting out, going outside and, and being around that, it makes it much harder for you too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, it's also funny how it extends to other things. Like, so right now I'm up with my, my parents as we record this at our cabin and like they supply all of the households cleaning items and the the soap they use to wash the dishes is just like your conventional soap and Mm -hmm. after the first day I was like I can't 
eat food. Like I can't eat any food that was like in a bowl or on a plate that was washed with this because I can taste it. Or like when they're washing it, I'm like, I can smell can. it. I can smell yes. it. And I like feel like I'm eating soap and it's so gross. <laughs> and I know I'm like killing myself. It's not even just that it tastes bad. It's like, I know that I'm just eating toxins is how I feel. Yeah. I mean, that's why I really feel that this is why cancer is just getting worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse because there's so many toxic products. There's This is why liver support is so important. You're surrounded by toxins. And if you don't use toxic products yourself, you go around anyone else and they do. Mm-hmm. And it's just, ugh, this is like the biggest message I want people to get out of this is yeah. stop <laughs> doing this. I agree. And I think it's something that people, people are so focused on the food and the nutrition is important, but like this is just as important. And what's interesting to me is, I don't understand why – I genuinely don't understand why I feel like I get so much more pushback in terms of changing people's personal care products and, like, household cleaners. I get more pushback there than with diet because uh-huh. I feel like changing out the products you're using is easier because it's just, like, you replace it. I don't I don't know. I feel like it would be I, easier. I think it's newer. I yeah. think that um, – People don't want to hear, honestly, to change anything, Mm -hmm. but they're so used to people talking about changing your diet. And then maybe they're taking it a little bit more personally when you're telling them to stop wearing perfume. Like they're kind of attached to that. You know, if, if you have a certain smell you've been wearing for 20 years and your husband loves it, you don't want to stop wearing that. Mm -hmm. So I think that maybe that's a more of an emotional connection. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, who knows, but I, I noticed the same thing. Definitely. People need to hop on the essential oils beauty counter train. It's so easy. It's changed my life. I know. And you can smell just as good, much better actually with essential oils because it smells like a real smell and not mm-hmm. so synthetic, you know? Oh, and it has other health benefits too. So right. win-win. I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. We, so we touched on like exercise, diet, personal care products. Are there any last big things that you think are really important for people to address when they're kind of trying to figure out their thyroid issues? I think that, um, one thing is if you feel there's a problem, you're probably right. Mm -hmm. So don't take no as an answer, you know, keep searching for the person that will listen to you and help you. And fortunately there are so many people online right now who are, you know, this is their mission. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that, and I think just being open-minded and, not getting so scared by making changes, but kind of thinking about the good side of it, like what it's going to do for you instead of, I can't have that anymore and I can't have this anymore. And they're making me do this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's really about mindset. And I think, you know, eating right and, um, not, you know, using essential oils and using the right products and all that stuff and looking at the triggers is so important but stress, just like we talked about earlier, is huge. Mm-hmm. And you really have to address all of these issues. So you have to, you know, take time for yourself and whatever that looks like for you, whether it's meditation or getting a hobby or going for a walk, whatever it is, um, you have to figure out how to work that in as well with all of these other things. Because if you're really stressed, you're really not going to be as successful. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, mm-hmm. I think everyone who follows me knows how passionate I am about that because I don't think people take it seriously. And it's also turned into like 
you know, people will tell me, I'm doing stress reduction techniques, I'm meditating, I'm going on a walk, I'm like doing a bubble bath, and I'm like, okay, but I don't care if you're still leaving the biggest life stressors there. So if you're in a shitty relationship, if you're living somewhere that you hate, if you hate your job, like you can't just not address it. <laughs> right, right. You have to get to the root of it. You Meditation's not going to work if the big pro, if you're in an abusive relationship and you meditate every night, maybe you'll feel a little bit better about it, but you're pretty much still going to have the problem. So mm-hmm. you have to get to the root w- with all things. And that's oh, so true with that. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of like, you know, people fault conventional doctors for using the Band-Aid approach, you know, instead of getting mm-hmm. to the root. And it's the same thing I see people when they're trying to, quote, address their stress. I'm like, like you just said, you can't just meditate and go on a, a nature walk your way out of like a horrible job that you hate or like living right. living in a city that you despise or being around someone who just is an energy vampire. Like you just can't. That's still a Band-Aid too. Um, right. And I think that's hard for you because sometimes that requires like big kind of scary life changes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's it worth it. <laughs> it is worth it. It's so worth it. I'm going through something personal like that right now. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that even though it's hard, you have to do, you have to get out of any situation that's causing your, your stress. I a hundred percent agree. So I'm glad we're on the same page there. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for like sharing all of this information. You are a wealth of knowledge and you're so fun to talk to. Um, Thank you. So everyone needs to go check out your book, The 30-Day Thyroid Reset Plan. Can you tell people where they can get that and also where they can find more from you? Yeah. So the book's on Amazon. It's at Barnes and Noble. I mean, it's on, it's tons of bookstores kind of online, (laughs) but it's Amazon. Most people will get it from. Um, and then my website's drbeckycampbell.com and Instagram. I'm at drbeckycampbell. And then I also have a private, um, Facebook group for specifically for thyroid support. So it's thyroid support with, with Dr. Becky. So those are the best sources. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Getting on Facebook. Okay, cool. Well, thank you again so much. I might have to have you back on. Um, I would love that. We can do it again, talk more about things. Maybe talk about social media, (laughs) (laughs) your experience there. Um, All right. Well, thank you again so much. Thanks, Christina. Huge thanks to Dr. Campbell for coming on the show. I'm definitely going to have her back on because I have so many other things to chat with her about. And she's just one of my favorite people ever. So if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you let her know. You can find her at drbeckycampbell.com. You can find her book on Amazon and in bookstores all of the places. I'll also link to it in the show notes and I'll also link to her free thyroid guide in the show notes as well. If you enjoyed this, make sure you share it. I love when you guys share episodes and make sure you leave a rating and a review on iTunes if you haven't already. It's a quick and easy and free way to help support me in this show so I know to keep putting content out there for you guys. And I would love to have you in our podcast Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. You can meet other listeners in there. It's the place to be. 
So that's all I have for you this episode. And I'll talk to you again next time. Bye.